You can be seated. God bless you this morning. My name is Jeff Perry. I pastor this church. My wife, Pastor Patsy, and I'm happy and honored to be with you today. If you're guests here, we welcome you. If you've been here 50 million times, we're grateful for your commitment. I want to teach. I'm teaching a series this uh, on Sundays, and the, the basis for it it's how we, how shall we walk? How, how, how are we to live? What, what does it look like? You know, we're in the world, but we're not of it. Uh, I don't embrace an evacuation escapist theology. Um, I, I know we're called come out from among them and be separate, but that doesn't mean be isolated. Doesn't mean be a cloister. Doesn't mean be uh, um, completely uh, ignoring the world you're in. We're actually, Jesus said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, and uh, go into all the world, you know, but, but then yet it says we're, we overcome the world. So we overcome the harsh um, anti-God bias uh, and the culture craziness of a sin-laden fallen world, a mixed up society, uh, but yet, you know, we're in it to navigate through it because our citizenship is in heaven, there are certain characteristics. I remember uh, starting to interact with people from different nations. I grew up closer to the Mexican border than I am from the arch right now. And I grew up in the Pacific Rim, so there were a lot of people from Asian countries. So uh, I grew up just down the street from the Watts area. I was there through those riots, things like that. So. Uh, I, I saw things in my particular melting pot part of the world where I lived in, and I, and I am a noticer. We're all called to be watchers and alert. And uh, we're in the world, and there are certain characteristics. I remember I met a friend that grew up as an Amish and, uh, in Pennsylvania, and Elam Stolsvis was his name, and he had culture distinctions from being raised in that atmosphere. Uh, and he carried a certain culture imprint. He became born again when he was a teenager, 18 years old, but he still carried some of the imprint of his Amish background. Um, you know, I've known well, Patsy's parents were from southern states, so they had this charm, this hospitality, this golden rule dynamic that was very strong. Um, uh, when I've been in England, there's so much difference between England and America or Australia and America or South Africa and America. Just because we speak English, uh, there are actually there are a lot of dissimilarities. So you, you've got to learn how to navigate with culture. Well, the Bible talks about and espouses kingdom culture. Where What, what does that mean? Our citizenship is in heaven. And we have, uh, therefore, an opportunity to embrace certain values, certain uh, attitudes from the Word of God, and then carry them into our daily lives. These kids that are students, uh, business owners. I just, my wife ran into a business owner last week, and I, and I, you know, he gave me his card, so I looked online, and I saw the video about their culture of their business, and, you know, his goal was to honor God and honor people. Sound familiar? And because uh, he got that in church, and he got that from his Christian Values, And he made the point, he said, we refuse to be prideful. And this was a business CEO of a big, one of the largest of his types of companies in the country and for 70 years, and they're carrying the culture of the kingdom into their work atmosphere. Teachers that carry the culture of the value. I, when I married my wife, she was a high school teacher, and she carried 
she wasn't heavy-handed with preaching to people. Uh, she was under instruction to teach the kids reading, writing, arithmetic, and those kinds of variables. And, and, uh, but yet she carried the culture of the kingdom. I remember teachers when I was in school that there was something different about them. And um, they, were, they, they, were, uh, they had embraced the gospel, and they were believers. And I would find out, and they'd be like, Are you, yeah, you're a believer. Yeah, I'm a believer. So I, I thought so. Yeah, awesome. You know, we, and we, it, it, was a, it was an amazing kind of a thing. And this world needs people deployed with certain uh, awarenesses uh, that, that, you know, you, you really know your origin. You know you're made in God's image. Male and female, he created us. You know where you come from. You're not just an accident uh, in, the, in the, the, you know, star fields and just all this just happenstance. No, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he made things for, per, on his perp, for his purposes, for his good pleasure. He gets a kick out of it. And I heard recently, you know why eternity is so long? Because that's how long God wants to spend time with you and me. Because he is love. And when you understand that, then you have a sense of origin and purpose. You're created intentionally for his purposes. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the evil one. Jesus' purpose was to seek and save that which is lost. Aren't you glad Jesus died for sinners? The only qualification I have is that I was a sinner. That's what got me. Jesus saved me from being in this pit uh, and helped me. And he is a very present help in time of need. And he has a destiny for you. You know, some of you saw these kids and maybe you lamented like, boy, I wish I'd made some different decisions in the past. Listen, let's not do the shoulda, coulda, woulda stuff. The past is gone. It's not even real. It's not even here. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where, God, I'm going to, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Teach me how to walk. Teach me the work I'm to do. And in fact, if you want to just look at this on the screen, Exodus 18 Verse 19 and 20 through 21, Exodus 18, I'll start with this, and then I'm going to go into my six points, and then I'm going to go into the third point about what we're to do in our walk. Did you get that? That was algebra. Okay. <laughs> Moses was providing leadership for ancient Israel, but he was getting spread too thin, and he was distracted, and he was caught up in some of the minutiae, everything, the tyranny of the urgent as a leader he had to reprioritize, and God used his, the voice, mature voice of his father-in-law. I heard my son Kingston preached about listening to your elders or people who have gone through life, and they, they've been around the corner you haven't seen yet. And I thought it was really, really well put. And, Je, and Jethro gave Moses this advice, and he said, Now listen to me, and I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You will be the people's representative before God, and you will bring the disputes to God then teach them the statutes and laws. Teach them the statutes and the laws, the things God wants out of humanity, the things that he is urging us to target, the behaviors that he's instructing us to go toward, the things to refrain from. And then look at this. This is the part I want you to get if you're taking notes. Write this down. And make known to them two things. The way in which they are to walk. The way in which they are to walk is what principally I'm talking about on Sundays. And the work they are to do. Wow. I'm convinced that none of us were an accident. I think I was conceived out of wedlock. 
pretty sure by the math. My mom, my mom never told me, I never knew my biological father, that you've heard the story that he tried to bring a man to the house to have me aborted. He went in there, took my mother and tried to abort me. Didn't, he failed, came back again, failed again, was coming back the third time. And uh, somehow, I don't even understand it, I had such a uh, poor relationship with my mom. But she told me in the early 80s, when I found my biological father, that he had asked her to do this. She was ashamed, and she carried that all her life. I realize now that's probably part of the breach we had. Maybe I reminded her of my biological father and my temperament or my humor or my looks. In fact, I met him, and we did have skinny legs, and we did, were sarcastic. So, yeah. So there you go. There's that. But... <laughs> I'm so thankful the guy was inept with his, uh, you know, backwoods uh, abortion attempt. And, 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 I, and I've just, so whenever I have a grandbaby, I'm on to, we're on to our fifth. I just, I'm grateful to my mom, actually. The mom I didn't have a good relationship with. But Jesus saved her. And she said, somebody, I don't even know how she got this scripture. Behold, I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life so that you and your seed may live. So when I'm holding grandbabies, that's what comes up in my mind. I get very emotional about it. And I even get appreciative to my mom. We just never got along. But yet, thank God, we're going to be together in heaven. You're going to be seeing us. And my biological that tried to get that abortion, he got saved too and became the head usher of a Baptist church. Got delivered from alcohol and became a, he became a man of God. So there's, I've got testimony, I'm telling you, and I don't ever want to get too far from it. I just want you to know Jesus can fix messed up stuff. And that's my story. I, I, you know, it, it's, and, and so teach them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. I want to just give you an outline. If you guys are note takers, six points. Number one, I shared this a couple weeks ago, walk by faith. Faith, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Meaning, though our five physical senses are very significant and vital to our human existence and definitely have their place, God has this basically sixth sense called the life of faith where we trust in the supernatural, invisible and yet real dimension of God and we behave accordingly. And faith is substantial. Faith relies on the promises of God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So then with faith, boy, it just causes all kinds of infinite possibilities. Faith will help you raise your kids through this crazy time. Faith helped us through a pandemic. Faith is helping us to figure out how to interact with and flow and cooperate in the particular time we're in. Faith obtains promises. Faith holds to God when everything else looks like it's fallen apart. Secondly, I said we walk in love because, in fact, faith works through love, according to Galatians 5, 6. Love never fails. It never comes to an end. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says there, these in heaven, three will abide. I, know, I don't know a whole lot about heaven. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, angels singing holy, holy, holy. God's throne, Jesus giving out, emanating so much glory, there's no need for sunshine because he gives the light. 
uh, sea of glass, all these kinds of things. I, I see those, I read those. It, it's, it's through a glass darkly. But one thing I know, these three will be there, faith, hope, and love. So I really want to emphasize this through my life. I want to continue to be hopeful because faith is the substance of the things hoped for. And everything hinges on the love walk. It's the core of our existence. We're even to love our neighbors, love God. We're to love our enemies. God wants us to use this proactive power. It'll keep us from being bitter. It, you know, it won't keep people from flipping you off when you're driving, but it'll help you to smile back at them and say, sorry. You know, right? You don't read between the lines. Don't do that with them. You let them do that, right? I just am speaking in code for the kids. All right, anyway. And you all act like, I don't know what he's talking about. Anyway, yeah, you do. So we, we walk by faith. We walk in love. And today I'm going to emphasize we walk in the spirit. This is a good one. We walk in the spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Yes, it is a vital, vibrant, amazing invitation to a supernatural life. No, it is not flakiness. It is not a justification for spooky weirdness. Uh, I think when God gets a hold of our lives, he makes us supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. And I believe that he wants to speak through us on a very practical level and yet have us be so supernaturally strengthened that we can really make an impact on our world. Walk in faith, walk in love, walk in the spirit. The, the last three, walk in the truth. Number five, walk in the light. And number six, walk in good works. I love Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. The second chapter, it says that we're his workmanship and that we're created in Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then Ephesians chapter 4, 16, I think about our local church body, and I think about being a pastor for so many years now, and I think about being integrated into your lives, and, and I, I just feel so much um, of a sense of belonging. I feel so much love, um, you know, that, that because God, the, the overarching reality is Jesus is the head of this thing called the body, and my, one of my favorite ideas, you see it emerging from, from uh, Paul's teaching about the body. Everybody has a place, and, and there's varieties, and there's, there's, there are different effects and distinction. It really is awesome. The body of Christ is so diverse. And it says in chapter 4, verse 16, that, it's a, uh, that we're the body, and we're fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, and then it says, according to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body and the building up of itself in love. So that's what's cool for me, is we, I think, ought to investigate during our little, you know, lifespan. If you live to be 120, it's like nothing in view of eternity. So your lifespan, you look at it and you think, okay, God, I busted out of the chute with a purpose, and you have a plan, and you order my steps, and those who are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. God, I want to walk in a manner worthy of you, and Lord, you give gifts to all of us, and there's some sort of gift mix on the inside of me that you want me to guard, you want me to cultivate, you want me to kindle afresh and stir up, 
And God, the best thing I could do with my gifts is go out and employ them and give them away and, and use them and serve and care for and bless others and leave a vapor trail of the blessing of God. I got excited when the power went out. <clears throat> but I'm excited that the light went on. On the inside of our revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation is coming to us. I had no control over the PA or the power at that moment, but we just continued to seamlessly shift. And then you guys helped me with your phones and lit the light, and I think it's a prophetic statement of what I believe God is doing right now in terms of preparing us for our walk of faith, our walk in love, and walking in the Spirit. Let me just tell you practically. Theologically, I don't believe I have two natures conflicting in my being. I have, what you're looking at is descended from Adam and Eve. Uh, theologians call it the Adamic nature. And then uh, the, what you don't see is a new birth experience, and, and therefore I'm born again to a living hope, and, and, and God is a spirit, and he bears witness with my spirit. So I'm preaching, actually, um, to rouse you primarily spiritually, uh, so that, that, that though the outer man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day. What, what does reconcile with me? The reason I think Christians have problems is because we always, as long as we're alive on this earth, have flesh. Now you say, well, why are you then denying that we have two natures? Because we're now partakers of the divine nature. And we have actually become the righteousness of God in Christ. So I'm convinced that, that to say I have two natures just uh, deprives the vibrancy of redemption. And I believe it's imperative that we major on what Jesus uh, did on the cross when he said, behold, I make all things new. And he, he said, it is finished. And he, he conquered uh, the devil and he made sinners righteous. He made a silk purse out of a sow's ear, right? And he turned us from darkness to light. And yet we still have tendencies, don't we? We still have to, to mortify our flesh and crucify it on a daily basis, right? The deeds of the flesh are laid out in Galatians, and the fruit of the Spirit is also laid out. So there's distinction. And if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So there's hope for all of us. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I'm glad you asked. The Word is Spirit in life, so read your Bible. Praying in the Spirit. I, I'm a big believer in praying in tongues. I'm unashamed and unapologetic about it. It's for today. It's been so helpful to me through my life. If you if, if you're, study it out, figure it out, it'll help you so much. God had me in mind when he came up with it because we don't know how to pray as we ought. And the Bible says in, in Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. It all ties together. The faith walk, the love walk, and sowing to the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, it says in Galatians 6, you reap corruption or decay. It's just like, you know, you eat a lot of sugar and you don't brush your teeth, you get a cavity. But, and if you eat a lot, and I've, I've heard this true. If you binge eat macaroni and cheese, it will bodybuild you, but not where you want it to bodybuild you. It's, it'll help your spare tire, but it doesn't, it doesn't show up on lean muscle mass. My daughter Addison showed me on her phone a lady, I, I think pushing 80-something, and she exercised and worked out, and one that ended up happening with her 
was she got lean muscle mass and she was flexible and she was mobile and she was strong. And she started at 75 when she felt like she was decrepit. Yesterday was Joyce Meyer's birthday. And she, uh, she said, she told us that she was in a conference and she got down on her knees. I think she was making a point and then she couldn't get up. She, she had to have somebody help her get up and she realized she let mu- her muscles diminish. So what she did was started working out in her advancing years. And now it improved her health and improved her mobility, improved her strength. And, and it gave her the pep and get up and go. And uh, isn't it amazing that we can make some adjustments in our love walk? We can make some adjustments with our faith. And we can make some adjustments in our spiritual life that will strengthen us. The Bible says, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So uh, make one scripture helps me so much. Make no provision for the flesh with regard to its lust. So, for example, comfort food. You go to the store, there's a whole aisle of 7,500 varieties of chips. You, you know, there's a liquor aisle that is almost like, it's like they, they, they made it like a six-lane highway in one of these stores. So like, why is it? And, and see, I, I binge ate, I binge, I binge drank when I was a kid, and, I, you know, I stopped. I, 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 I had a, a you know... Get out of jail free pass for God. I decided I don't need to do that anymore. And, and, and then <clears throat> there are things we can do to make no provision for the flesh. Put filters on your phone, filters on the screen. Hand, guys, hand the phone to your, the ladies of your family. Have them block, put a kid block on your phone. You say, well, then I, I, if I'm surfing the net, it'll block. I can't, if I want to, while I'm at work and I want to shop, it, it blocks it. Well, good. Maybe you ought to just put your phone down and work. But anyway... <laughs> We, 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 there is a battle, and we, and we, and, and, and there, there, there's a, there's a tension between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and, and vice versa, and you can't do the things you want to do. So, um, it meaning, it, God's called us to some discipline, and thankfully, one of the fruit of the recreated human spirit is self-control. So we can do this thing. Hallelujah. And I'm, I've, got, I've got five minutes. Can, do you guys have five minutes to listen? So say, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So this is why I pray in the Spirit a lot. Because the Spirit prays, but the mind is unfruitful. It does not renew my mind. That what renews my mind is stuff like what's happening right now, hearing good preaching, or reading the word for myself. I sat on my porch and I read the word this morning, read the word and listened to the scriptures. Your uh, word to do it day and night. Um, Kingston commented on, on Psalm 1 in his message on Friday that when we meditate on his word and we don't sit in the seat of the scoffer or walk in the path of sinners or so forth, um, but we meditate in his word day and night, the Bible says, we'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which represents the Holy Spirit, which yields its fruit in its season. Look at this. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. How many of you would like to, whatever you do, prosper? Whatever you put your hand to, prosper. I want you to turn to somebody and say, man, your leaf does Oh, no, no, I can't. I, 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 just say it out loud for yourself. No, I can't even say it. 
so much for so much for wit and humor. Whatever I do prospers. That's better than my leaf doesn't wither. If I had executed it right, it would have been hilarious. Romans 15, 19 talks about the power of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 says we're to be taught by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says we're to pray with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 5, 16 talks about the walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 4 says we're one body and we're one Spirit. I love that. Ephesians 5, 18 says we're to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 17 says we're to hold to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says we're never to quench the Spirit. And Hebrews 4, 12 says that the Word of God brings division and distinction between soul and spirit. There's a medical doctor in her family here today, and she has a real aptitude and and, uh, inclination toward health. And because she's a believer, she's got this MD degree, and she's intelligent, and she's studious, and she stays current. I, you know, she, I, she's, she's current on, on all the, stays on top of things, but transcendent above that, she's a spiritually charged child of God, and she has access to the throne of grace. How about that? And she has the Holy Spirit. So in addition to looking at the cerebral, uh, intellectual, natural knowledge that she amasses, which is a very important. you got to have it. She's also listening to the Holy Spirit. We parents can have that. We can have book knowledge, and then we can have revelation knowledge. As a pastor, I could get up and, you know, I could flow with a systematic approach and do my best on that level, but I could also, thank God, be extemporaneous and actually stay tethered to and tapped into the voicing and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You real estate people, you can do that. You get out there and you're, you're not just selling a home, you're leading, potentially leading people to the Lord. There was a lady, uh, there's a couple here that led a lady to the Lord that way. I remember a lady who led a whole family to the Lord, and then their whole family came to the Lord. She moved away, and then all this fruit just kept building and building and building. You talk about real estate, she helped people to reposition and, and ha- have, a, have their names recorded in heaven. So everybody say, walk by faith, walk in love, walk in the Spirit. Now, walking in the Spirit doesn't mean be spooky. It doesn't mean put on affectations. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't mean using church speak and getting mystical. It just means that we're endeavoring to acknowledge the spiritual dimension that so many people, it's largely ignored. Or, worse yet, it's filled with counterfeits, witchcraft, sorcery, deception, cultic stuff. So we, as Jesus followers, we want to discern between good and evil The world, Isaiah prophesied in the end times, three things would happen. People would call evil good and good evil. They call light darkness and darkness light. They call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. We need to come back and say, okay, God, I'm going to call it like it is. Truth is truth. Lies are lies. Light is light. Darkness is darkness. And yet not be in bigotry and not be, not, you know, not embellish it with a bunch of kind of, you know, heavy handed, dogmatic harshness. What I'm advocating here today as we close is if we walk after Jesus, we'll see the supernatural 
seep through our lives in the most practical ways. It'll increase your awareness and also your increased fruitfulness. You'll, be so, you'll have so much joy. Instead of just speaking what's on the top of your head, you'll endeavor to dig from the wells of your innermost being and say, Lord, what would you have me say? How would you have me pray? What would you have me say to this person? What would you have me do? You know, we were in an obscure place on getting ready on a flight. We plopped down in an option of about 25 rows of chairs. We sat down right across from this person, uh, you know, and, and she gave no indication that she knew us. She was wearing a mask. We weren't, and she was so, I couldn't, it was, she was, her, I couldn't do face recognition software. I don't think I would have recognized her anyway. She moved away. She lives in another town. She asked me what I was going to do. I'm going to pray. She said, she, I, you know, she, I couldn't tell if she was put off by that, like, oh, you're a religious freak. Or, and then she goes, she started saying, do you know so-and-so? You know so-and-so? You know so-and-so? You know so And then she, she knew us, but she waited. And I thought, her name's Tammy. And I thought, how funny that was. How, and I told my wife later, I said, of all the places we could have sat, we sat right across from Tammy. My wife said, who are you talking about? I said, the lady at the airport, Tammy. Oh, okay. And, and it's like that. We sat yesterday next to a family. And now I'm closing. So you've heard this is the fourth closing. <laughs> and uh, their 13-year-old spilled a, uh, their glass of beverage all over the, the chair, table, the, the, the bench and seat and the seats. And so he got up and he's like, man, you know, it's, and he didn't even know I didn't notice. So I said, well, I, I, we're, we were with toddlers. So I said, I love blaming it on the toddlers. Because usually I have no one to blame because I leave all my tree of crumbs. So I try to joke and laugh. So he's like laughing and eye contact. And we're like buddies. And, and then Patsy said, do you have a tract? And I said, no. So then next thing you know, I walk outside and she's over there witnessing to the family, you know, and talking to him about Jesus. And I think God would shift the polar north and south and the equator to get us to be put right into the juxtaposition of furnishing a message of salvation, praying the prayer of faith, um, flowing and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I close with this closing of a closing. I sat on an airplane, David and Bruce, and I was reading my Bible. And I, I, it was my older Bible that was full of highlights and, and underlines. My new Bible doesn't have so many underlines because it's new. And um, I had my headphones on, and I was stuck on a window seat, and there were, there were two women, uh, so aisle and windows, or uh, middle and aisle. So I sat there, and I just, and I didn't drink water, so I didn't have to get up 50,000 times. So then, you know, so then uh, I, I took my earbuds out because they said, um, put your tray table up and seat up and and then uh she went are you a pastor like that it's like yes i am i'm not exactly feeling the love right now everybody got quiet two rows up behind two in the back everybody got quiet it's like just talk amongst yourselves you know and I said, but I'm the most unlikely guy to be a pastor because I wasn't raised in church and I was so lost. I lived in so much darkness. I sowed so many wild oats. I was so empty. I didn't know anything about God. But then somebody came and told me about Jesus, a Vietnam veteran who told me his life changed. And it put me in touch with the possibility of a God who would change a sinner's life. And I, on the basis of his testimony, was prompted to ask Jesus to come into my life. And she said, my story is the exact opposite. 
I was raised in church and I got hurt and I left and I don't like any of this. And I looked at her and now everybody's standing up and people are going. The lady on the, the lady on the aisle was like, whoa. And I said, you know, somebody, and, and this could sound general, but I, I had a prompting. It was a word of wisdom. Somebody's been praying for you. It's my grandmother. Just that fast. I said, well, say hello to your grandmother's prayers. Hallelujah. Everybody say, walk by faith. Walk in love. Walk in the Spirit. Let's all stand up on our feet before we go. I want to teach you the way you're to walk and the work you're to do. And I share these testimonies because there are people out there that need us to be in our A game. In faith, in love, in the Spirit. Say, in faith, in love, in the Spirit. Now listen, church, I realize most of us have bought in and we're, we're serious about Jesus. But in case this is not clear to you, today is the day of salvation. In case you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, he died for our sins. Sin separates us from God. It's worse than cancer. It's worse than a heart condition. It's the worst thing ever. And Jesus bothered to come and become a sin substitute for us so that whoever, get this, calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So see, there's salvation in Jesus. Help. When we were lost, when we had a boat wreck, we called on Channel 13 out in California to the Coast Guard, and we got help. We knew who to call and how to get there. I'm telling you, dial in to Channel J-E-S-U-S and ask Jesus to come into your life. For, ask him to forgive you of the huge fog bank thick black darkness of your sin that's made you destitute and alienated and separated and say Jesus come in and be my Lord and Savior I repent of my sins and I trust you to save me that put your hand on your heart and say I'm going to walk by faith I'm going to walk in love and I'm walking in the spirit in the name of Jesus amen Give somebody a side hug and tell them that their leaf will not wither. God bless you guys as you go. There I did it.